peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode on Tilt. Julius here with Mama Brown. How you doing, young lady? I'm doing fine, Julius. How was vacation? Oh, it was phenomenal. Uh, I'm I'm still in vacation mode. <laughs> so if I if I slip up and say something about the beach or the seafood or <laughs> sunsets, no, it, it it was fantastic. I mean, just being able to disconnect a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, disconnect from the, the hustle and the bustle. I've worked a little bit, but that much. Wanted to probably about three or four emails, but for the most part, I was in vacation mode. That is beautiful. You look well rested. Yeah, I, I feel good. I feel yeah. good. I'm, I'm still like in vacation mode, but I'm getting back into the work crew. So yeah, you, and you and your wife were on the beach, and I I saw the sand between your toes. <laughs> <laughs> They're in their happy place. They don't mm, nothing like it. Nothing, Nothing like, like it. it. Nothing will. How was your week? It, it une, uneventful. Um, you know, still helping. You know, my friend struggle with, um, you know, the loss of a friend that was very dear to him and the community. You know, the whole D.C. area. You know, losing Chucky Thompson. That's that's huge. You know, and um, so we're praying for him, and we're praying. I mean, praying for. the well, my friend, we're praying for the family of Chucky Thompson. We're praying for the friends and the family of Chucky Thompson. So, you know, it's it's definitely a loss that's that's felt right now. So, hmm. um, but other than that, um, you know, life goes on, and you know, you hopefully you were able to step away from news and 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 the TV and you know all the craziness that can go on once you turn on to CNN or any one of these news channels, you know, from violence in our own backyard to what's going on internationally. So it's, it's been a lot and hopefully you were able to kind of check out, but welcome back. It's, it's still going on. (laughs) It's still here and we still have a lot to pray about. We still have a lot to talk about. So uh, let's go into a moment of prayer. How about that? All right, we are back. So, uh, Mr. Daniel, I know you had some topics you really wanted us to to explore and dig into today. So, I'm I'm gonna follow your lead in today's conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's um, you know, we talk about black mental health and policing in America. You know, we spend a lot of time on that subject and looking at things in our own backyard. But, you know, we also have an international community that, you know, is very much connected to the people here in the United States. And, you know, recently we all have been privy to seeing what's going on in Kabul um, in Afghanistan with, with, you know, people trying to leave that country because the Taliban has taken over or taken um, 
you know, it's a new re regime with them. And people do not want to exist under that regime. It hasn't been in existence for almost 20 years since our presence have been there. And so, you know, just watching the news clippings and just the heartbreak. First of all, I didn't know you could fit that many people in a plane. Good gosh. When I saw that image of how many people were in the plane, I'm going to be honest. I first thought about COVID. I said, oh, Lord, wherever they going, you know, do they have to be, uh, you, what, what is it um, we have to stay in the house? Um, quarantine. Quarantine, yes. I was like, do they have to be quarantined? Because, good gracious, it was a lot of people. Look like standing room only on the plane. Um, so that right there is one of the first things that I thought. But then also, you know, how the camera moves and shows you what's going on outside the plane. Now that for me just was heartbreaking because people are literally by any means necessary trying to get on that plane, get on that wheel, get on that wing. They didn't even care that they was going up high up in the sky that the chance of, of them holding on with the wind and the elements and the, you know, um, speed, you know, it was almost, but they didn't, you know, the, the will to live and to get out of a circumstance, you know, by any means necessary. I only know that any means necessary when I went to Freedom Corner. I understood what any means necessary meant. So watching that, I understood the need to leave or survive or to change your situation by any means necessary. I understood the mental health behind it, that you were willing to lay down your own life, you know, for what you believe in your rights or freedom or to get out of a situation that you believe is, is defined as, you know, no quality of life, you know, or having your freedom taken from you. So. You know, I, I just, to go back to what I, my, my main point is, is that here in the United States, you know, we're a country that's very diverse. And we have a lot of people here from other countries, you know, who are seeking citizenship, um, but who may not be, maybe um, under the, um, what, what is it, the, 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 um, you know, you get, uh, you can stay here, get protection. Um, look, I, God know this is part of the symptoms of the hunger strike. Remember things. Is that asylum? Is that what it is? You got, you got me. Yeah, we. we I think it. I think that's what it is. Um, I think I'm saying it wrong, but hey, my. Hey, look, the viewers will correct me. That's why I love our viewers. Look, people here like, no, it didn't. Mama Danny, I'd be like, thank you. But um, I think it's called asylum, um, where they get protection from, um, and I know the word, it's just in my head, I can't say it, but they get protection while they're here. They're not nat naturalized citizens, but they are allowed to be here and, and go through that process while being returned to their country. So, um, you know, so we're connected. And then a lot of us here are not, 
naturalized or born U.S. citizens. So we come from other countries. And so some of us had family members, parents, um, cousins, uh, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles. We have relatives that are still in these countries that we're worried about that impact us here. You know, not everyone able to make it out of Haiti. Not everyone was able to make it on that plane out of Af Afghanistan. So it's a lot of other countries that people, family uh, are here, but yet they still have a lot of family members there. And that's what makes this very heartbreaking because, you know, you don't want to see, you don't want to be living here off the fruit of the land, you know, and to see women in other countries. I'm going to say women because I'm a mom. Women in other countries, you know, having to abandon their education, abandon their jobs, abandon having some, you know, some people born. If you were five years old, all you knew was when the U.S. was there in Afghanistan before we pulled out and some growing up in some of the privileges of being able to have an education, being able to work and things like that. And now having to revert back to the possibility of not being able to go on the streets or walk on the streets while having a male escort or not being able to go to school or to run businesses or hair salons and having to stay covered in a, uh, Berka, Berkua. If I said it wrong, forgive me. But Berkua, Berkua, whatever. Y'all, you know what I mean. But that's where you're covered from head to toe. And I want to be very respectful. So I decided to keep giving these disclaimers, you know, that, you know, I may pronounce words wrong and I apologize. But it's literally something that I um have to kind of push through as some of the remnants from being on a hunger strike and struggling to you know, uh, get all of those pieces put back together. But, um, yeah, it's a lot going on, Julia. It's, it's heartbreaking. And I'm thinking about us here and how watching this, again, you know, mentally, the toll on us and on them, more importantly, who are physically right there, who are our international brothers and sisters, who are people of color. I know I said a lot, whole mouthful. <laughs> no, you, you, you said what, uh, you know, what's important to kind of kick the conversation off. And as you were talking, it just made me think about, um, one of my friends on Facebook posted that, uh, basically like the, the media has this ability and this power to, to say, here is, uh, what you should be fearful of. Here's, here's who you should be fearful of. So I'm not here to, to debate, uh, what, what's right or what's wrong. Um, I'm, I'm, I am here though, to encourage people to think about, um, like you said, mama, bro, our, our brothers and sisters from outside of the U S and how we are treating these folks, how we are, are thinking about them. Um, are we, are we becoming more fearful because of the things that we're seeing in the media? Um, are we willing to be critical thinkers. I know we may not believe it, but something, uh, that's happening internationally, it could be impacting your neighbor. They, they, they could be, uh, have family 
in these places. And oftentimes they do. So just to be mindful of, of not letting the media just completely dictate your, your level of, of fear or, uh, whatever it is, however, the media is, is influencing your, your, your thought process or your behaviors, um, related to all of this, because, uh, you know, like you, like you just started to say, Mama Brown, like folks are leaving because they want to protect their quality of life. It, it, it has literally become a matter of life or death for a great majority of these folks. And they don't want to be in a place where they don't have the same freedoms that they have become accustomed to. And we know that those freedoms have already been limited and, and taken away to a large degree. So now to think about you're going to have these freedoms take, taken away and you have the possibility of, of losing your life. Your family members have the possibility of losing their lives. I mean, I can only imagine the, the mental, emotional, financial, spiritual, like what, however you want to frame it, it takes a toll on you as a human being. So that, that is what is, what is most, uh, most heartbreaking and most concerning to me. Yeah. And, and for a lot of us, they're people of color, you know, they're people of hue. And I keep saying that because, you know, this show is about black mental health and policing in America. But sometimes every once in a while, we like to stretch it a little bit and consider our neighbors as well, you know, in other countries, because, you know, America influences a lot of other countries, but also other countries influence America too. And we can't discount that part and we can't operate in a silo and think that we're untouchable and that we don't feel the impact of what's going on in other places. You know, before I talk any further about Afghanistan or we even talk about some of the things mentally that, you know, more importantly, the women and men are going through you know, both collectively and as a man and as a woman, you know, in these countries. I want to talk a little bit about Haiti right now. Earthquake, storm, how many times? It, they are on rafts trying to get out of Haiti almost every day that the media don't even cover the the rescue missions or the death toll of people just losing their lives to get here to America. And we're in America. And then let's talk about how we take even our own quality of life here for granted. You know, in a whole scope of things, everything is important when it comes to mental health. And we don't, we don't judge. We don't, we don't put one mental health issue or circumstance above someone else's mental health issue circumstance. We don't do the comparison. But what we can speak about is how sometimes we can neglect our own appreciation and quality of life when we sit and see what the struggle of another person in another country 
people, I believe, have a right to rights, have a right to eat, have a right to work, have a right to provide for their family, have a right to be happy and have a quality of life. Yeah, you you bring up a an interesting point here, Mama Brown, and I, I'm a I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a minute, if you you don't mind me playing devil's advocate for a quick minute here, just thinking about um you know being a black person in America, and I know you started to talk about you know we have a, a lot of, of freedoms, um you know a lot. Of, a lot more than other folks in, in, in other parts of the world. So to be blessed and to be grateful, um, for that is, is something I think you're trying to raise our awareness about, but what, what do you think about, you know, folks that would say, um, you know, eat, just being black in America in, in and of itself strips you of strips us of some of these freedoms that we may think we have. What, what do you think about that perspective? I think that um, I think that's a, a point well taken because we have a right to say that because we're in America and we should not have any different right or access than any other person or the privileged population, which is our Caucasian allies or not, you know. We should have and be able to have access to the same privileges and rights. That's a fact. Um, so, yes, you know, to that degree, we, we definitely have a point. But we should not forget to be grateful or appreciative for what we do have. And I think sometimes we tend to forget that. Let me tell you, black on black crime is a great example of forgetting to appreciate what we do have. Because when we appreciate that, we appreciate our brothers and sisters in the fight and we want to pull them up and help them get to where we all need to be and on one page, fighting for one message, fighting a system of racism so that we can all have equality. But we can't do that if we're fighting each other. And we can't do that if we allow government to bring biases into our community that keeps us from being able to, you know, be effective in, in promoting change in our own community. Like you want us to have better homes and better neighborhoods. Take 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 out, you know, giving liquor license and 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 and, and, and um, what do you call those um, restaurants? Uh, Carryouts. Every other corner is not helping us cigarette stands or whatever. That's not helping our community. Give us more uh, grocery stores and vegetable stands and things like that. So, yeah, I get that. But, again, I like what Oprah said one time. She said, at least, she said she gives a lot to Africa. Someone asked her, why do you give so much to Africa? She said, because... At the very least, instead of taking care of people in your own backyard, she said, at the very least, the people in my own backyard have, have opportunity. They can go to a church and stand in a um, food line to get food, you know, or, you know, it, it, it's food banks. There's opportunities to eat here in America. 
You're not, you don't have to starve by choice. Um, so in Africa, they walk miles just to get water, to bathe in, to even drink, healthy to cook in. We don't know what it's like to walk from Pittsburgh to D.C. to get water. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a bit stretch of three and a half. But look, look, some of them walk from sunup to sundown to get the things that they need for their village. So I, I, I say that to say that, you know, we are, on one hand, yes, we're fighting against a, a, a systemic racism here in America. Rightfully so. But we cannot turn blind eye to what's going on in other countries that, you know, we shouldn't walk away and have a level of appreciation because some of us would not be able to survive in them circumstances. I'm just saying, I took a rocking chair to Freedom Corner, but I don't think I could take a rocking chair to Africa in 90, <laughs> I mean, 100 degree weather every day, you know, and, and, and out there doing what I was doing, I, I don't think I would be able to survive it, but mothers are out there People are out there doing that. They're doing what they got to do for their families. They're doing what they got to do. And to me, it's much more than what I believe I'm even built to do. Most of us here, you know, so. Yeah, and, and I hear you talking about, too, just standing or, you know, in your instance, like you said, just sitting in solidarity, like really being in solidarity with people um, who are, they they may be, I don't know, tens of thousands of miles away from us, but experiencing a, a, a struggle that is known, a similar struggle that is known to people of color all across the world, right? Um, not not being able to having having freedoms one day and then not having the freedoms the next day, right? And then being being told or being gaslit into believing that, well, you know, you had the freedoms all along. You could you you could have done whatever you wanted to do, but having these excuse me, systems and things in place that are limiting you from fully realizing those, those freedoms and what they truly mean to you in, in, in your life, um, wherever, wherever you may be in the world. So yeah, I, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. And what do you think of Julia? I mean, I, I just, I keep thinking about, you know, people that are in the U S well, let me, let me take a step back. I was watching on Instagram this uh, this reporter who was doing some uh, doing some kind of like you know uh, in your face reporting on their own. They're not doing reporting with the network. They're just they're a former reporter, and they're like, I'm going to be as objective as possible because I'm not attached to a network, and I'm going to go where the news is. So they chose to go to uh, to Texas, right at the border and do reporting there uh to 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 see what's happening at the border right and it's it's it sounded um good when they were like talking about it well, i'm going to be right on the border i'm going to be getting these first person stories from people and i'm going to give you the news right there it's not going to be filtered through a news outlet but what ended up happening and i don't even know if this if this former reporter knows or understands that this is what's happening they are still giving the news to us, to whoever their followers are, 
from a slanted perspective because I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, well, when is, when is this person going to actually interview some of the people who are, who are trying to come over, who are trying to cross the border? Now I know there's probably, um, there could be, uh, language translation, you know what I mean? Need. So I understand that, but if, if that's what you're doing and you want to be objective, you got to find a way to make sure that all perspectives are being told. So it's like the, this, this reporter is there and they're filming and they're interviewing all of the like border patrol people and they're riding around with the border patrol agents and they're getting the perspective of the border patrol people of this many people tried to come uh, across the border into the U S this time. And two people drowned it. Like they're, they're, they're giving the perspective of just the law, right? It's just the law perspective. And they're saying, well, this is objective. You know, we're, we're not, I'm not trying to tell it in a way that is, uh, slanted, but it is slanted because I'm, I'm looking at images of human beings who, for whatever reason, are trying to come into this country uh, for for work or for a better life or whatever the case may be. And I I, I want to be able to hear from them what their story is, not from the Border Patrol, because right. the Border Patrol is only going to only going to give you. Well, we have. No, they're going to say we we had, we had a hundred people try to cross last night and two people this and seven people that. Like, I, I, I'm going to hear that. Yeah. So just, just the, the quick raw data, which I, which I understand, but I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is because just thinking about all that's been in the media, like we have to be mindful, per, per, particularly when it's about people of color, like what, what's the slant? What is the angle that we're getting from the media and what, and what are the, like I haven't, and again, I told you, I haven't really been paying attention. Maybe I need to start doing more research and really dig into it. But I haven't really heard many perspectives of people uh, in, in, in these countries. Like, I haven't really heard those first person stories of like, this is what's going on. This is how I feel about it. This is why my, me, my cousin, my mom, whoever, my, my children are, are, you know, wanting, wanting to leave. You're not really getting that, that, that human perspective. We're getting like the shock value. And to me, like, um, another thing that's coming up is like, we got to be mindful of how much of this news we're digesting. Right. Cause I think it's, it's, uh, you know, they call it, uh, trauma porn is what it's called. Right. So it's like, right. Yeah. We went, I've heard of word porn, yeah. uh, so, trauma porn, this is new to me. Trauma porn is like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Trauma porn is like, for me at, at a point in time in my life where, you know, I talked very openly about my best friend and his suicide. And it got to a point where it wasn't a manipulative thing, but I just, I, I, I was in, I was in a headspace where that's all I could, all I wanted to talk about or all I knew to talk about whenever I would have these conversations about mental health. And then I got to a point where I got so, I was so passionate and, uh, I got better and better at telling the story, if that makes sense. Because if you, if you, if you say something so many times, 
you, it, it starts to get more clear. You start to get more details. It becomes more robust. And because it was a story that was like centered and rooted in trauma, right? It's like that, that, uh, that heavy trauma. And then I would talk about it in a way that was like, you know, kind of taking you through all the waves of, of the trauma. People would be like, you know, it's, it's, it, it, they call it that trauma porn because it, in, it incites a reaction out of people. And I, 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 I have grown to understand that. So now when people like, I do, I do my best, but when people tell me or ask me to like tell my story, um, or to, or to talk about it, I try to talk about it from a perspective that's not situated in that, in that trauma porn space. And, uh, Mama Brown, I don't know if you can hear me. We, uh, we might be having some technical difficulties, so you might need to log out and log back in so we can get you back into the show. But, um, for the viewers, yeah, just thinking about, about the, the media. And I see we have, uh, we have, uh, a, a comment here from Curtis Smith. I was a victim cause I was different black on black crime be read as I'm be, be read as gay. I'm trying to make sense of this. Curtis, thank you for your comment. God, if you're at the age of 23, I love my people in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I, Curtis, I think what I'm, what you typed here, you comment again, if you need to, um, that you experience, uh, you know, some crime because of, of who you are and how you identify as a person. And I think that gets to, it gets to another point of this conversation, which is, um, just because someone identifies a certain way, they're from a certain part of the world, they look a certain way, um, they live in a certain neighborhood, they, they, they choose a, a they have a certain way of, of carrying themselves, whatever the case may be, those are all our individual freedoms and rights as human beings. And I think what we're seeing in the, in the media right now, particularly around what is happening in Afghanistan is people need to be able to, uh, to be appreciated and to be honored for just who they are. Right. And when you, when you live in a country or you live in a part of the world or you live in a city, right. It doesn't have to be, uh, 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 this, this, this thing that's just so far fetched when you live in a place where people don't value who you are, what you represent, your culture and your freedoms as a person, you will always run into those, those roadblocks and those obstacles of, um, having people try to infringe on those freedoms. So, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of, of debates when it comes to talks about, uh, big government versus people having the power to make their own decisions and their own choices. I'm, I'm not talking about, about government in this discussion. I'm talking about something that's a, a lot more, uh, plain and simple from my lens. And it's about humanity, right? So when we see that another human being is suffering, another human being is going through heartache, uh, another group of human beings are dealing with something where they don't know where they're going to live. They don't know where they're going to stay. They're, they're, uh, just their, 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 the act of living as a human being is being threatened. That is something that, um, I struggle with. 
you know, I have difficulty with, um, you know, not honoring people's humanity, it, no, no matter how, how grotesque, how, uh, you know, quote unquote, ugly, we, we want to classify people's behaviors in their actions. Um, I think that, that there's, there's humanity in all people and humanity and, and, and accountability and consequences can be balanced. It doesn't mean that you just, for the sake of honoring people's humanity, you ignore what they've been through. Uh, you, you ignore what they've done that may have been detrimental or harmful or hurtful to other people. It doesn't mean we, we get rid of that level of accountability. It just means that as we are holding people accountable, as we are um, having these kind of conversations, we always want to keep in mind the level of humanity that comes along with, with people and what they're going through and what they're dealing with. So, you know, that, that's just something we always want to be mindful of. And um, as Ms. Danielle was getting back to uh, the program here, I know she's going to be logging back in soon. So thank you. Uh, Curtis for being with us. Thank you for all the other viewers who are, are with us uh, and will be able to watch us a little bit later time. I do want to shift gears and talk a little bit about another thing that has been um, very, very, uh, it, it's come up a lot and you start to see it a lot now, particularly around this time of year, or uh, is, is this whole back to school narrative, right? Just folks um, trying to, to, to go back to school and, you know, make sure they're balancing all, all the, all the challenges of, of getting back to school and dealing with those stressors. And Mama Brown, you're, you're back with us. I see you back with us. Um, you know, they're doing some, everything just blinked out. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's because they're doing some work, you know, in my home and they kind of hit the switch. So it kind of, Made all the power shut off. So <laughs> thank God for natural light in the cell phone. <laughs> I was gonna say you came back with the with the uh, uh, phenomenal. Your 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 camera on there is just as good, if not better, as your other camera. So you look like you're in like HD right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, so well before I shift before we shift gears, I'm glad you jumped back on. And maybe we can talk about the back to school thing yeah. in another episode. But I started to talk about just the um, the humanity piece of all of this, right? And really honoring the humanity of folks because we may have this narrative in our mind. We may have these images that we see. We may have this this history that that we know. We we have all these things that are these stories in our minds. But at the end of the day, we are dealing with human beings, right? And people's humanity. So um, I, I'm always an advocate for humanity and how we can can do our best to, to gain a perspective and to really be mindful and appreciative of everyone's humanity, regardless of where they're from in the world, uh, no, no matter what language they speak, um, and, and even when we start to think about um, when 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 people have done things that we believe that we should not forgive them for, I'm, I'm not I'm not in in any way encouraging people to 
disregard harmful behaviors or to just automatically forgive people because of, you know, wrongdoings, things that they may have done to you or to other people that you care about. But I think it's important for us to really just ask that critical question of how can I see or honor the humanity in this person, even in the midst of, of something that I'm seeing that's telling me otherwise, or something that I'm hearing that's telling me otherwise to, to not trust this person or to not, to not trust these groups of people. How do I find the humanity in the midst of all of this hate and horror that I'm seeing and experiencing? And, and if you don't have an answer for that at that moment, that's okay. If you don't want to have that perspective in that moment, it's okay. But at the very least to be able to consider it, I think is, is a, is an important skill yeah. or thing for us to be able to do that, that, that in a moment in time where you are, everything is telling you to hate, dislike, not forgive a person or a group of people because of something and you could still find it in your heart of hearts to be critically think about that and to allow yourself to go through those emotions and to own like your feelings and your process e even if you're owning uh you know what I, I i don't want to do that and i don't feel like doing it that is okay but just the simple consideration of the humanity of the other people i think is important absolutely and it should be an innate in quality truth be told you know um it, it doesn't you know i get the consideration part but what you're speaking about julie is really should be something that's an innate quality that we all possess where we should be able to look through the lenses of humanity you know, and, 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 and not only to your point in being considerate, but we should be able to pull, pull all those lenses out at any, any given time and have a level of sensitivity to know when it's required, you know, um, cause we possess that, right. You know, or, or we're monsters. That's the way I look at it. either. We possess those qualities or we have the abilities to put on a different perspective to look from a human humanity perspective, or we are monsters. I know you said no judgment, but I'm just saying, you know, lacking sensitivity, lacking hu humility, you know, all of those characteristics, just lacking it and not having it at all. I don't know how people exist because it's required to maneuver this life. You know, because we're going to go up against people that it's going to be hard to forget. We're going to go up against injustice. We're going to go up. How we have to have a level of humanity to be able to navigate this life. You know, to be our brother and sister keeper. To even if it's even if you a person that likes to stay to themselves, there's somebody that loves you and that you may love, or you know, I wouldn't want to be, you know, it's just really sad to me, you know, and, it, and it's a very rare club you would be in. And usually those type of people are the ones that end up getting incarcerated because they be doing some crazy, heinous crimes, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I, 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 I love what you just said. And, 
you know, that's what bonds us to other countries, to other people. Is is that perspective? It is looking at things beyond our situation, beyond the here and now where we are. You know, but um, I also want to join you on switching gears because we do know this is a time of back to school. Now I got a different twist on it. I just read today. You know, I'm always reading. It is so many parents out there protesting and pulling their children out of these schools. Because the school district, the governor, the the board members, you know, all if you know, majority of them are giving out misleading information. And children are going to school unprotected. Um, some of them are, you know, have um, I think I read one mom who child had uh, who who child is flagged for a compromised immune system because of about with leukemia early on in their life. So there are children literally that have compromised immune systems as well. So we can't think this because you're a child that all children can, you know, be a force to be reckoned with when it comes to COVID, you know. And, and now I'm reading that hospitals in the, in the pediatric ward, they're running out of beds for children. So let's talk about the mental health toll on parents who have to work. And this might be a good discussion, but we got some guests coming in talking about various resources um, during this whole COVID and, 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 and programs and, you know, the whole mental health piece when it comes to, you know, paying bills and rent and all of that. But right now, I'm, you know, talking about the children, that takes a toll on the parents as well, not the kids. I mean, think about it. The kids in the last, what, going on almost two years now, it, every day has been COVID, COVID, COVID. COVID can't do this no more. He can't do that. Got to wear a mask. For some children, wearing a mask, it's, it's, it's traumatizing and it's hard for them to adapt to wearing a mask, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's mentally taxing. And I don't even have a kid in, in grade school. And I'm exhausted by the fight of just, you know, watching the parents protest and watching the school system fail the parents sometimes by not being informed and by their leaders who might be governed by their leaders that might turn out to be a Republican. I don't know. You know, they're saying I'm anti-mask. Who knows? But the bottom line is, it's, it's, it's taking this mental toll on all of us, you know, and it's affecting the school system. And are we bringing our children back to the schools early, too early, not knowing what's going on? And now they're talking about booster shots. So I, I don't know if you're going down that path, Julius, but when you mentioned that, I said, ooh, back to school time, great topic. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I was going with it. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but um, I don't know if you're in, in D.C. or Pittsburgh right now. I think you're in D.C. I think that's your D.C. background. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in Pittsburgh right now, there's there was a, um, a school board meeting last night and there there's a, the, the temperature right now around uh, Pittsburgh public schools is is not not good. It's not a good temperature. Um, there's a lot of a lot of 
a dissent between the community and the parents and the school board. And there are some, um, excuse me, phenomenal people on the school board. So, you know, there are people who are advocating, who are trying to make the system and the process and the experience as best as possible for parents. Um, but it, it's been a challenge. I think they're starting back. They're scheduled to start back on Friday, September 3rd, which is the Friday before Labor Day. So that's been a whole, you know, challenge of why are we starting back up the Friday before Labor Day? Um, and I'm just thinking about, I'm seeing now up and down my timeline, just different uh, advocates and parents and people talking about the, 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 the anxiety and the stress that they have. Um, cause there, there's a lack of buses, a lack of, a lack of drivers to be able to get all of, all of our kids to their respective schools. So now some of the kids are told that they have to walk long distances. Um, so they're saying that they want to give some of the kids, uh, and the families like bus passes, free bus passes for the uh, public transportation, but not all families have the ability to just say, okay, now we got a bus pass. So I'm going to ride the bus with my kids to make sure they get to school. Like if, if they go to school when you have to go to work at the same time, like what, you know, what's happening in, in that scenario? Like, and I'm, and you mentioned all the COVID stuff, all the mass stuff. Um, I'm seeing stuff on social media. There's some teachers in certain schools. I don't know if they're in Pennsylvania, but I'm seeing teachers, they're taking pictures coming into the school without their mask on, but they were supposed to wear a mask, but they're like, I'm not letting this school dictate what I do. Right. So there's just a lot of like uncertainty happening and I'm, 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 I'm seeing firsthand and hearing firsthand how it is mentally and emotionally impacting parents in their, in their kids or caregivers in the children that they're caring for. So I think, um, I mean, to me, this is a time where we should be talking about every school having, um, peer, peer support groups to process what they're dealing with, uh, parent peer support group with mental health professionals. Like that should literally be at every single school, public, private, charter, like everyone. Um, and I know that, that probably sounds ridiculous from a budgeting standpoint, but the mental health implications of this school year, you know, it's, it, 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 it might, they might even be worse than last school year. Let me tell you, my cousin is a teacher and she was sharing with me how people who were not, you know, passing when classes were in-house, they're telling them to go ahead and pass them because they can't even document or 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 um uh regulate whether these kids are actually showing up, not showing up, doing the work, computer glitches, COVID, somebody sick. It's too many excuses. So now I the other question to this, to the anxiety is is that are our kids being educated? I mean, look, are they being educated? And what are happening to the money now that a lot of these families are at home? Because they're not, you know, they're not eating in the school. They're not, you know, 
the building lights aren't on how we're funneling that money to the families to be able to get the appropriate laptops, the appropriate um, software. And, and, and now we have a lot of, a lot of data breaches, you know, going on on these uh, security breaches going on on these uh, equipment that are freezing them and making them non-functional because you have failed to educate the parents on how to help their child with these computers. And, and these computers are being used by Harry, Dick, and Tom. And because of that, you have worms and viruses that are invading the computer, which is making it hard for the student to download the material that's needed, you know? So it's a lot of factors that is going into this as well, Julius, you know, um, it, it, you know, uh, with the pros and cons about going into an actual facility or staying at home. And the bottom line is our children' education is being affected. Julius, you don't have any children yet. However, you mentioned the anxiety. So even as a concerned citizen, for you in your community and in your own family, you're getting the blunt of some of this anxiety just by having people call you and having you be in the business of mental health and helping them navigate some of their stressors. It, it's unavoidable, unavoidable for us. We're not immediate parents having kids in grade school, but we have loved ones. We love our community. We love our youth. We love our children of tomorrow and of today that will be our adults of tomorrow. It's, it's very disturbing. And why is it that other, now we, look, guys, this is an international domestic issue here. Why is it that in other countries, they seem to be killing it when it comes to COVID, the rules? Like you saw the clip in China, I'm sure, because it's been frequent so much on, 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 on CNN and other news channels. They, they get greeted outside. Hello. You know, but I don't know how to say that in China, Chinese or Korean or whatever, Asian. I don't know how to say it. But they get the, the um, temperature check. She stands and makes sure. And, you know, and sometimes it's several teachers. Make sure the masks are secure. And they come in and they have social distancing. Everything is marked, even in the classroom. So we're talking about busing kids. Are we talking about needing more bus, more bus drivers? Because we need social distancing. We can't put the same amount of kids on the bus as we used to. You know, everything is affected, Julius, and it's stress, stressful. And we want our kids to have a great school year and a great experience. But these are critical years for them. And we need them educated as the first priority. Yeah, I think we're getting to, uh, we got about eight minutes left. And a as you were talking, I just kept thinking about, you know, some of my favorite words, grace and mercy and patience, because I don't know if this is how you're, you've been experiencing life over the past whatever it's been, 18 months, 17 months since COVID. Um, but mo more so more recently, 
now that things are back open and people are out and about, to me, I've been in a number of different situations in different like stores and stuff where people feel more, they're more on edge and it feels like people are a little bit more impatient. Um, not, not everywhere, but in certain situations where, right. Me and my wife have had to be like, like, what <laughs> are you okay? You know, that, that kind of thing. And so I am, I imagine that going back to school, right. For, for teachers, administrators, the kiddos, um, the parents, the caregivers, it is going to be adding some of the, 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 the biggest stressors to them. Right. Cause right now it was like school was out for the summer. So right. you made that adjustment to what life looks like. You finally got comfortable with that process of, okay, you're home or, or, you know, you, you, you just got, you, you adjusted to school ending and then summer. And now we have to make another adjustment from summer to back to school with all of these COVID variables. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you forgot a key part. There was a time that CDC said we could take off our masks if we were vaccinated and we were among other vaccinated people or, you know, pretty much certain stores can lift their mask policies, you know, and, 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 you know, it's up to you. If you're vaccinated, it's up to you. You can take your mask off. Now we're back to mandatory masks in some of these same spaces. So even that, the parents are like, oh, my God, I done gave my child an okey-doke. I done told them it's okay to take their mask off. I'm, it, I took my mask off to let my child, my child 12 years old and under, who, who at the time couldn't get vaccinated. Now they're vaccinating kids 12 under. It's been a lot of changes. We, we have been, we haven't even scratched the surface of what has happened just in this summer alone that had everybody running around confused and scratching their head and don't know what the proper protocol. Now enter another factor, booster shot. So to your point, Julius, yeah, it's a whole lot that parents are juggling right now and traumatizing the kids are because they're like, oh, we don't have to wear a mask now. We got to wear a mask. What, well, when do we have to wear a mask? This school system says we can't. This, this classroom, the teacher, like, I'm not, everybody in my classroom better have their mask on. Where the other class, when they go to period two, the teacher's like, you can take your mask off. It's cool. You don't, I, I'm not following those rules in my classroom. Well, then John done lost his man from that classroom to the next classroom to the gym before you know it. You know what I'm saying? The whole mask policy, null and void. I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, are you wiping down the equipment? I don't know, Julius. It's, hey, look. <laughs> what? I'm a parent, don't want to be a parent during this time. It's a lot. Yeah. So, I, I mean, with all that, I, I would say to, um, again, just going back to that grace and that mercy and that space, because we're, everybody is just trying to figure it out. Um, and I think to, to your point of what is the protocol, like where are the, di the directives coming from? 
I don't think it's that the directives aren't coming. I think they're just different in every place. Like you said, it could be the directive from period one to period two could be different. Your, 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 the superintendent has said one thing and told the schools to do one thing. Then the teachers who may have their own personal beliefs and the superintendent is not in that class with them. The principal is not in that class with them. And it, and a, a kid may come in and say, I don't care what you say. I'm not wearing this mask today. Like I, I don't want to. Right. So it's like, how are teachers and administrators going to be dealing with that? Is that, is that going to be another way to, um, to punish, to punish children like for, for not wearing a mask or for being, you know, they said, well, they're being defiant and, it, and, and maybe it's not that they don't want to wear it. Maybe it's some other stuff that they're dealing with. Right. Maybe they feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what it is, right. All these different things, but like, just how will parents and teachers and administrators handle that when those things come up and knowing that the teachers, administrators, and parents have to deal with that they, we, we need to create spaces and opportunities for them to vent. Cause that's when I'm starting to see, you know, on social media is parents and caregivers who are concerned about their, their, the, the youth's safety and well-being and education. They're venting publicly. They're using social media. They're fighting. They're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? At the, at the meeting, school board hearings or whatever meeting they had based on mass or not mass in the school. So they actually was physically fighting. I forgot where it was, but, you know, it was showcased on TV where people were actually physically fighting, you know, the mass versus the non-mass, the vaccine vaccinated versus the non-vaccinated. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So... Parents, to your point, grace and mercy, we all want to need it and, and, and humility and respect, you know. Hey, it's going to be some kids who come out of these households whose parents are anti-vaccinated and anti-mask. And there's nothing we can do about it. That's the home that these children are coming out of. So when they take those belief systems to school, you know, uh, unless there are clear instructions and protocols they have every right to say i'm not wearing my mask so i think the bottom line is is that we have to if it's important for us for our children to be protected and if you're a teacher and it's important for you to be protected do you wear your mask and those children wear their masks and those who don't want to wear their masks then their parents understands the consequences and hopefully are equipped to take care of their child. If, and we hope not, their child should get sick. But all in these situations, all we really can do is take care of ourselves. You said it. I know we are, we are getting to the end yet. Were those your final thoughts? I think that was that was a good closing. Yeah, that was a good closing for me, y'all. Um, you know, I, I think the 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 common thread through this this conversation today was really, you know, we talked a lot about um, 
honoring people's humanity. Uh, always we talk about giving folks that grace and and giving ourselves that grace as we're navigating. Uh, they, 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 they're calling it post-pandemic, but I'm also hearing people now say that we may be in a, a I think it's called an, an endemic, which is like just this ongoing, you know, I think that's kind of what we're in, what we're, what we're traveling into or transitioning through now is like, how do we live our lives and honor other people with all that's happening, knowing that the, the remnants of the pandemic just keeps ebbing and flow, ebbing and flow. It keeps coming, you know, it's just, it's just there. So, um, try to give that grace, try to give that space to, to yourself and to other people. Um, and as always, I uh, want to thank our guests. We had Curtis in the comments with us today. Um, I did, I did speak to Curtis and his okay. comment when you were gone, Mama Brown. So, um, Curtis, we appreciate you and everyone else who watched and didn't comment. Thank you for being here with us. And we will and see you. Know, James, we, but let's mention one quick thing. Yeah. And we want to remind everyone is that even though we live here in the beautiful America, we care about our brothers and sisters abroad. And, and so, you know, our humility and humanity extends far beyond, you know, the borders of the USA, you know, for all our brothers and sisters in the fight. We care and we're praying for you. And uh, I just wanted to add that to Julia. Definitely. Thank you for that. And thank you. all We'll catch you all next week. Bye. Bye.